Bible says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So Sunday nights, parents, I want you to know our 6th through 12th graders, we have youth group. And just like we do here on Sunday mornings, we worship God on Sunday nights as well. And so I encourage you to come on out on Sunday nights, whether you want to be a volunteer or whether you want to just bring the the children, because we're having a good time just like we do here on Sunday mornings. Amen? Now, we've been doing this series on the book of Proverbs, the, the wisdom of Proverbs. And when I first got saved, a good friend of mine, a big brother in the faith, he suggested that I go ahead and just from the very beginning, that I just start reading Proverbs. And the wisdom for him, as he was trying to impart it to me, was that, look, it's, it's 31 Proverbs. You read a proverb for the day of the week, and, you know, it should help you be somewhat consistent in your reading and studying of, of Scripture. And what I learned is that, man, when you start to unpack Proverbs, it's a whole lot in there. Church this morning, we have a whole lot that we want to unpack because God's Word is so rich and so powerful. So I would really encourage you to take notes this morning because we're going to be looking at a whole lot of Scripture today. As you're getting your notes to, to, together and you're, you're, you're getting your, your pens, again, Proverbs 22:6, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it, or like I like the King James, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they will not depart from it. And so what we need to understand about the book of Proverbs is that this is a book that was written by Solomon to his son, and it could be applied to all of Solomon's children. And not just his immediate children, but his children for generations to come. Now, the great thing about this is that it's really God that's the author of Proverbs. Solomon is just the writer on God's behalf. And so, although Solomon is addressing his son, what we need to keep in mind when we read the book of Proverbs is really God addressing us as his children. And so whatever instruction we find in the book of Proverbs is really dealing with us as God's children. Training is so important, especially to children. So whether it's it's a child that's four years old or whether it's a child that's 40 years old, training is so critical. The Bible says start children off on the way that they should go. And so if we start children off learning about the Lord, then when they get old, they will not turn from it. Maybe that's a little bit too deep for you to get. So, so parents, I say if you train children to start washing the dishes, when they get older, they will not depart from it. They'll know how to clean up after themselves. You train up a child to take out the trash, And when they get older, they will not have their own home smelling because they will have been in a habit of taking out the trash. When they are old, they will not turn from it. Parents, 
train your children to show respect now. Because if you don't, it might be too late. But if you do now, when they get old, they will not turn from it. And again, not just to little children, but to all of us as God's children, he provides the instruction. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then if you know James 1 and 5, the Bible also tells us that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So it's the Lord that gives wisdom, and if you're lacking the wisdom, you need to go to God who is the author of the wisdom. That's why I told you all to take notes. This might get a little deep. And we go back to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. And the Bible says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's from God's mouth that we received understanding from the law. And it's directly from God's mouth that we receive understanding from God's prophets. And it's from God's mouth that we receive understanding through his ministers and his pastors. It's from God's mouth that we receive understanding from the word of God. And so as you're getting this revelation, as God is breaking it down for you, it has nothing to do with your own capability and your own capacity. that God's might and power in this word is becoming clear to you because it's God speaking it to you himself. Verse 7, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Church, because God's word is faithful, I'm relying very heavy on scripture this morning. And today I want to talk to us, talk to you and even to myself about being faithful. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The Bible says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Or in other versions, power of life and death, or life and death is in the power of the, the tongue. You see, the tongue, children, can build up and the tongue can break down. The tongue can empower, and the tongue can enslave. The tongue has the power, according to God's word, of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
I coach youth sports, and I've been doing so for a long time now. I've met some great people in our community just from coaching youth sports. I've had their children, and they've even visited, uh, visited the church because of just forming that relationship. I started off in this community doing t-ball for the county, and then I went to Upward and did flag football, and then I was doing some soccer and basketball, and now I coach county soccer. I'm going to tell you it's a big difference between Upward Christian League sports and county sports. As a coach for Christian League sports, what I appreciate about it is that coaches have been trained to speak life into the lives of the children. We know these, these, these little kids, they, they, and if it's soccer, the goal is right here, they'll kick it and the ball will go way over there. And so as coaches, because we understand, as Christian coaches, we understand that the tongue has the power of life and death, by encouraging these children, we get them to continue to want to play the game, to want to be on teams, and to want to do God's work on this field in this season of their lives. Like I said, county is a little bit different. Because if the kid misses the goal right here, not only is the coach going to yell at him, but sometimes their parents will yell at him. Sometimes their teammates will make fun of them. As a coach in county sports, I have had kids ready to come off the field with tears in their eyes. Why? Because the tongue has the power of life and death, and people have spoken death into their lives. When I was in high school, one of the sports I played was, was basketball. I played varsity basketball my junior and, and senior year. And it wasn't because I was all that great. It was just God hooked me up, really. I was a good leader. I was athletic. I could play great defense. I could pass the ball really well. I was fast so I could get past anybody guarding me but I couldn't shoot well. If I pulled up for a jump shot, chances were it wasn't going to go in. And my coach understood this. And so the instruction always given to me before the game was, Sadiq, don't shoot. You can do everything else, but if you want to have a seat on the bench, you go ahead and shoot the ball if you want to have a seat on the bench. Sadiq, don't shoot was the instruction. And do you know when my junior year, I barely shot the ball out, but I wanted to be out there, so I was passing, playing great defense and, and everything else. But you know my jump shot did not improve when I got to 12th grade either. Why? Because my coach spoke death into my game. And it really wasn't until I got a new coach and got out of high school that I started knocking down some, some shots. I wish I knew Jesus then so he could have healed my jump shot. <laughs> the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat 
is fruit. Some of you are married and you know that for men, your, your, your wife might ask you, how does this outfit look? And a wise husband will say it looks good. You really don't even have to see the outfit, to be honest with you. It looks good. Because husbands understand that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And if that husband answers wrong, he will die. (laughs) Now, although Proverbs 18.21 says the, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it, will eat his fruit. If I jump over to to Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the Bible says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, or for my King James folks, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For the mouth speaks what the heart It's full of. And so if you have someone speaking to you life, then that means inside of their heart there is goodness. But if someone is cursing you and speaking negatively and constantly giving you bad criticism, then that means inside of their heart is a bunch of evil. And so as children of God, the instruction that we can take from Proverbs and from Luke is that we have to be careful as children of God, what we're saying out of our mouths. Now, I lay all of that as foundation for you this morning for us to really get to our point about being faithful. Because the condition of our lives is based on what is coming out of our hearts. Bypassing the mouth. It's based on what is coming out of our hearts. And so for my first point this morning is to be faithful in guarding your heart. Be faithful in guarding your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, My son... Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Verse 23 again, the Bible says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Be faithful in guarding your heart. Now, the world's logic will tell you to follow your heart. Follow your feelings. No matter what's going on, just just follow your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do 
flows from it. There are two issues that I have with this notion, this concept of just following your heart. The first is based on Proverbs 28, verse 26. The Bible says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Or again, the the, the King James Version, to, to make it a little bit more plain, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Trusting in your heart can make you a fool. One of my favorite uh, movies of, of, of all time is a, is, is a classic, at least a classic to, to me. Um, I watched it when I was a child. I learned about science from watching this movie. I, I, I learned what a, a gigawatt was. I learned about a flux capacitor from this movie. And in this movie, there was a woman named Lorraine. And Lorraine was just following her heart wherever it, it, it wanted to go, just ignoring signs and just, just following her heart. And she got into this big crush on, on this guy. His name was Calvin Klein. If you know the movie, his name was Calvin Klein. Really, it was Marty. And so the local bully one day is coming into this, this restaurant and he's causing some trouble. And he comes in there and Marty sticks out his foot and trips the bully, Biff, onto the floor. And Biff gets up and he's ready to punish Marty. And then Marty says, go look over there. And dumb Biff looks over and Marty just clocks him and then he takes off running. I don't like this movie because I'm condoning violence here, but there's a point here. When Marty takes off running, Lorraine is just smiling. She's like, he's an absolute dream. And if you know the movie Back to the Future, you know that Marty that she has this crush on is her son. And in spite of several signs that take place in this, in this movie, Lorraine is stuck on following after her heart. If we follow after our hearts, we are fools. The second point comes from, the second reason I just don't like following your heart comes from the word as well. It's Ezekiel 18, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? Because in the land of Israel, they were saying some things that just didn't make sense. It just didn't align with the word of God, such as following after your heart. But anyway, the parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who dies. The Lord has a reputation 
of correcting bad logic and bad philosophy. And so I don't believe that you should trust your heart because why? The God, God says that trusting in your heart is for fools, but then also God also tells us that there are some bad proverbs, there are some bad instruction out here, and he always corrects it through his word. And so to kind of simplify it a little bit, if we go back to Proverbs chapter 3, The instruction is found in the fifth verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Above all else, the, the, the proverb said, above all else, guard your heart. And the Bible says, trust in the Lord with your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, trusting it to the Lord, leaning not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submitting to him, and he will make your paths straight. And so the first thing that we need to do in order to be faithful to our hearts is to make sure that we are trusting the Lord. Secondly, we have to be faithful in guiding our relationships. Be faithful in guiding our relationships. Proverbs chapter 2, verses starting at the 10th verse, the Bible says, For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. When I was growing up, I, where, I, where I grew up, you had a lot of diversity. And by diversity, I mean you had a lot of people doing good and a lot of people doing bad. And I had a bunch of friends that were into a whole bunch of stuff. Some of them selling drugs, some of them robbing people, some of them, I mean, you, you name it, one of my friends probably was involved in it. And I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to send me to upstate New York to hang out with my aunt and just, just to get out of Philly, just to, to find some other places to, to, to see something positive. And I remember when I got to, to college, when I came to Maryland and, and, and got to college, it seemed like almost every semester I would hear about somebody else that I grew up with either getting killed or getting locked up or being on a run for 
something that they had no business doing. You see, bad relationships has the ability to corrupt good character if you're not careful. Verse 12, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. And so right there, we have to be careful of even the men that we associate ourselves with. So I encourage you to inspect your relationships and see if there are any wicked men in your relationships that you know you need to get away from. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 16, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. I will be honest with you all this morning that as I was studying this, I was stuck on this point dealing with wisdom, saving you from the adulterous woman. Why? Because so many men that I know have been caught in up, just caught up in adultery. And if we're not careful, the adulterous woman has the ability to impact our good relationship, but it gets even deeper. Proverbs 2.19, none who go to her return or attain the paths of life. And so while this can be applicable to everybody, like I said, I'm being honest with you that when I was studying, I was thinking about the fellas, guys, do your best to stay away from the adulterous woman. Because the Bible says, not Sadiq, that none who go to her return or attain the path of life. As I mentioned, Solomon wrote this book being used by God himself. And so let's look at the life of Solomon. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. And starting at the first verse, the Bible says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Anybody know somebody that falls in love really quick? Verse 3. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. It's like 300 girlfriends after the 700 wives. And it's clear that Solomon was in some misguided relationships because the the Lord had already told him to stay away from those women. Verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. 
You see, in this text, it's telling us that the unguarded heart will trigger unguided relationships or misguided relationships. Verse 10, although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. Verse 11, so the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. What we can get from Solomon, remembering that he was the writer of Proverbs, what we can get from his experience that our unguarded heart and a misguided relationship can have the potential of destroying what you've worked so hard for in your life. There are people that have been working very hard to keep their families together, but because of the misguided relationship, the family is now living in two different places. There are people that have worked so hard to climb that corporate ladder, but because they went ahead and had a relationship with someone in the office, what they worked so hard for is destroyed because now they lost their job. Solomon breaks it down even further in Proverbs chapter chapter 18. Verse 24, the Bible says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. You have a bunch of people in your life that have no business being there. You soon come to ruin. But it continues, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Church, no matter what circumstance you are in, no matter even if you get caught up with an unguarded heart and a misguided relationship, no matter where you are, God is still your friend. He is still willing to be with you and close to you no matter what you're doing and no matter what you're going through. But the question becomes, are you going to follow his instruction? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says, discretion will protect you. And understanding will guard you. And so as it relates to all these relationships that we have, these friendships that we have, if they're misguided, church, I encourage you to use discretion. It will protect you. In Proverbs 5, 8, the Bible says, keep to a path from her. Do not go near the door of her house. In other words, stay away from them people you know you have no business being near. The Bible says, do not go near the door of her house. Forget getting inside the house. Do not even go near the door of her house. Keep to a path from her. That brings us to our third point for this morning. In 
And that third point, we can really go back to Psalm 24.1 with Solomon's dad, David, is writing. And the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The third point is to be faithful in giving your wealth. Be faithful in giving your wealth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Verse 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. You see, giving is a way of honoring God. And so when you're faithful to giving your wealth, what you're really doing is being faithful to honoring God. Giving says that you're depending on him to take care of your needs and not your own gimmicks. He already told you, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In other words, don't figure out how you're going to make that come up. Don't figure out how you're going to get to the next base. No, what you need to do, church, as children of God is honor the Lord with your wealth. I was teaching a Bible study on this past Friday. I, I, I teach a, a study for homeschool kids, and one of the classes that I do is a Bible class. And this past Friday, we were talking about a story in the book of Mark as well as in the book of Luke of this poor widow. And there were some rich people that were giving an, an, an offering and putting their money in the treasury, and, and Jesus paid attention, Jesus noticed it, but then there was this poor woman that came along. And the Bible says she gave two small copper coins. And Jesus seeing this, he said this woman was blessed because she gave her all. Surely she had given more than the rich folks. Jesus was making a point that as it relates to our giving, we have to be willing to give our all. And there's another story, and you can find that one in Luke 12. There's another story in Acts 5. There's a woman and a man, a husband and wife named Ananias and Sapphira. Now, when the church first, first came into being, there was a move of the, the Holy Spirit. I mean, the believers, they were giving everything to the, the church leadership, and God was doing miraculous things. Everyone's needs were being taken care of. Ananias, he was like, yeah, we're going to give a little bit, but we ain't giving everything. And the church leadership challenged him because the Bible says that Satan had filled Ananias' heart. It was unguarded. And so for both him and his wife, they eventually died. Why? Because they were not willing to give God 
they're all. Proverbs 11. Verse 24 and 25. The Bible says one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. That poor willow, she gave freely, yet gained even more. The Ananias and Sapphira held unduly and came to, actually came to death. A lot of times we all want the same thing. We want to, we just want to do as best as we can for our families. You know, we want to take care of their needs and we want to, our children to, to, to be better off and to do better than, than we did. There are, there are a few things that we kind of just all want. We want our, our children to be safe, and that's, that's a, a general idea. I would say everyone I know wants their children to be safe, and more guns, less guns, I don't know. We tend to want to have good relationships, and when a disagreement comes up, does that mean giving the person some space to, to work through it, or does that mean talking about it right now? I, I, I just don't know. We often want unity in, in race, and so does that mean that we talk about the problems and we look at history and continue to work through it, or that we just stay really focused on forgiveness and just try to ignore what happened? I really just don't know. We want a spiritually thriving church at South Potomac? Does that mean more Bible studies? Does that mean more prayers? Does that mean one service where we all come together, two, three, four services? Does that mean we go to Saturday? I, I, I just don't know. We also want a financially thriving church here at South Potomac. And so does that mean talking about giving every single week? Does that mean sending out letters, sending out emails, making phone calls? Does that mean doing presentations when something is going on, something is going wrong? I, I don't know. But what I do know is the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because I already told you that I have no idea. I don't know. What I do know, regardless of more guns or less guns, right wing, left wing, regardless of that, what I do know is that when I stay fixed on the word and trust in the Lord with all my heart, I know my children are safe. And that's here and the hereafter. I know my kids are safe, so I don't have to get caught up in these big debates about stuff. Why? Because I'm so focused on trusting in the Lord. When it comes to disagreements with my wife, I don't know if I'm supposed to give her some time to cool off or if she wants to talk about it right now. What I do know is I usually choose wrong. <laughs> but because I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, I know God got us 19 years into marriage and he can do it again. When it comes to unity and the 
in the race, I don't know if we need to be talking about it some more, if we need to be having focus groups, if we need to be working through it, if we need to just do our best to let stuff go. And I, I, I really don't know. But what I do know is that I've trusted in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. And somehow, this kid from inner city Philadelphia has so many friends that doesn't even look like him. Why? Because I'm just trusting in the Lord. I know we want a spiritually thriving church and how to do that, I have no idea. I'm just trusting in the Lord. But what I do know is that I've seen people get saved here. What I do know is I've seen people growing here. What I do know is anytime you hear uh, the word of God, you're going to get it directly from the Bible. I do know people are thriving because they are studying and they're getting the word of God. It has nothing to do with the people up here, but everything to do with the mouth of God. I know we want a financially thriving church. And all I know is that we got to continue to trust in the Lord and lean out on our own understanding. What I do know is that when we told y'all we had some HVAC issues about a year ago, I do know those HVAC issues got resolved. I do know when there were issues out in the parking lot, I do know that we've gotten the parking lot sealed. I do know when people have called us asking for food, I do know we have a food pantry filled up with stuff for anybody in the community to come get something. I do know when people have needed shelter, even if, even if they couldn't necessarily stay here for whatever reason, I know we've helped them find a place to live. I do know that regardless of the financial condition, because we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, I do know that we're sharing the gospel message in Guatemala, in Africa, and other parts of Europe. I do know that the gospel is going wherever God wants it to go. Why? Because we are trusting in the Lord and not in ourselves. And so church, can we do the same thing with our giving? I can only imagine what it would look like if the church, if the believers really gave their all and didn't hold back from God, really gave all of their heart and really gave their, their, their wealth. I could imagine what it would look like. I would say unbelievers would be in awe that unbelievers would start paying attention to what the church is doing as opposed to the church paying attention to what the world is doing. Bible says in Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. And then we come to our final point, and that's in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It deals with being faithful in gaining wisdom, being faithful in gaining wisdom. The Bible says, do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, 
and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Wisdom will protect your heart. Wisdom will protect your relationships. Wisdom will honor you. And so the instruction given by God through Solomon is in verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Church, in order to get wisdom, you have to get the Lord. In the same book, it says that it's the Lord that gives wisdom. And so if we're going to get wisdom, though it costs all you have, that means we have to get the Lord, though it costs all that we have. That same Bible class that I told you guys about, there's a student in there. He goes to another church with his family. He's one of my favorites, and I appreciate him because he has told me straight up he does not believe in God. He has a lot of doubts. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. And knowing that this young man goes to another church, I don't want to assume that everyone in here believes in God. I will not assume everyone in here believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I will not act like no one in here has any doubts. But church, what I will tell you is that if you want to try to get some answers to those questions, if you want some understanding, we see that that understanding comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so my charge for those of you that either have doubts or you have disbelief, inside your bulletin, there's a card, and we're going to be taking the offering soon. I encourage you to write those questions down. Give us an opportunity to discuss it with you. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. If you really want to know, if you really want to know, ask the question. Put your contact in there. Make it available. So we can go ahead and search the scriptures together. Why? Because the Bible instructs us to get that wisdom. Though it costs all you have, your own pride or whatever it is, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Let us pray. And so, God, we come to you right now thanking you for your word, God. Thank you for your wisdom, God, because it can only come from you. And so, God, right now, I I pray that you just help us all be faithful wherever we are, God. 
Help us be faithful with our hearts and our relationships, with our wealth, God, and gaining wisdom. God, if there is somebody here that doesn't know you as the author of wisdom, give them the courage this morning to just let us know so we can help them, God. And Lord, we love you. Continue to help us grow in your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.